Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com. Earlier this week, um, I was at this beach with my family and my four-year-old son, Augustine, comes up and he's like, Dad, let's build a sandcastle. I'm like, cool. So we grabbed a couple buckets and went down just close enough to the shore, but not too close. And, start, and I had this like vision in my mind. I started building this sandcastle and I have just the right consistency of sand. And, and the whole time he's, he's watching me build this, but he has this funny look on his face. And, and I know what that look is, that that look is, Dad, when can I break this? And the look just grows. The more I'm building it, the more protective I'm getting of this castle and the more the intensity, kind of the fire in his eyes is building as he just wants to smash it. Um, and so he keeps, he keeps like kind of putting his foot up in the air and, and my response is, is wait, 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 wait. Let me just, I'm like, you can smash it. Just wait, let me just finish this. And, and I'm watching Augustine play around this idea of like, I hear what you're saying, but I really want to just demolish this sandcastle. And as I'm watching this war go on within Augustine, I I sense the Holy Spirit within me uh, just start to convict me of my own heart posture in this time. Uh, this, this, This restlessness that I can get where I know God's asking me to wait. I know God's asking me to trust and to have patience but waiting is never something that I'm good at. I would argue that, that waiting is something that none of us are good at. Specifically in our current cultural climate as technology has had this whole new revolution on our world where there's nothing we wait for any, anymore, whether it's food, uh, whether it's um, directions, um, whether it's information. We live in this world where we have lost our ability to wait. But this isn't just a current problem, this is really a condition of humanity. So as Israel is sitting in exile, um, these authors begin to compile these songs, these prayers called the Psalms into the book that we have now. And as they do it, they do it strategically. They're not just picking randomly, They're not laying it out in chronological order. They're choosing themes that will show up in the book of Psalms. So Psalm 37, 38, 39, and 40 all revolve around this theme of waiting, which makes a lot of sense because the compilers of Psalms are picking these these songs and hymns, but they themselves are in a season of waiting. They're longing, God, when will you hear our cry? When will you show up? When will you restore? And so Psalm 40 is the culmination of after these three Psalms of feeling this discontentment and this tension, uh, David writes these words. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock. 
So here you have these Psalms talking about this tension of waiting and, and longing. And then Psalm 40 comes along and it says, God did it. He lifted me out of literally just kind of the mud, the sand, and he set me upon a rock, a firm foundation. And so what we're introduced in this moment is waiting actually has the potential to produce resilience. It seems to be one of the themes that the author is trying to produce. And the reason we know this is that the end of Psalm 40, he's actually still waiting. Yet throughout all of these Psalms, we see David in this moment, whatever is going on in his life, the, the nation of Israel is now singing this song in their own exile, in their own waiting. And they have this vivid picture of being someone being stuck in mud and quicksand and God lifting him up and placing him on a rock. And, and I would just want to encourage us to think while we're waiting, I mean, we're in a season of waiting right now, but just kind of an insight, we're always in a season of waiting. Part of the human condition is waiting, but waiting has the potential to produce resilience. We continue to just place our, our hope and our trust in our God. The psalmist continues, after placing his feet upon the rock, making my steps secure, he says this, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I, I love this. The psalmist talks about after God has lifted me from from, from, the, from the, the dirt and then the mud and places me on a rock. He says, he put a new song in my heart. And I think waiting has the potential to produce rejoicing. Waiting in our lives, if we let it, and this is all, it's all about possibility and potential. If we let God do his work in us, waiting time doesn't have to be wasting time. Waiting time can be significant because it can point us towards worship. It can point us towards rejoicing. I love the psalmist says, God put a new song in my heart. Matter of fact, if you go to our website underneath this sermon clip, there's going to be a link uh, to how to write your own psalm. And I would encourage you, just take a minute, click on the link and work through it. What in your life can you praise God for? What in your life can you hope in God for? Can you write out, and maybe for you that Psalm is a lament. Maybe it's Psalm 37 or 38 of just saying, God, where are you in this? But let's let God put a new song in our heart as we wait for him. But here's what's interesting about Psalm 40. Not only does waiting have the potential to produce resilience um, and rejoicing, uh, but then what we see is, in verse 4, it says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. This word blessed in Hebrew words literally means happy. It's this sense of enjoyment, of life. And the psalmist talks about, again, this, this moment of waiting. God delivers him. This sense of resilience and rejoicing. But then you see the psalmist turn to this point of reliance and, and almost rest. And so here's something I'd love to encourage you with. In your season of waiting, again, whether you're waiting to uh, hear news um, on, on when things are going to open up, whether you're waiting on news or whether you're waiting on a relationship or an opportunity or something potential, what if 
waiting actually has the potential to bring rest. Now the only way that waiting produces rest and not restlessness is trust. If you're trusting in an outcome, you're gonna be restless. If you're trusting in a timeline, you're gonna be restless. If you're trusting in a plan, you're gonna be restless. But if you're trusting in the person of Jesus, trust produces rest. I mean, so just think, I mean, we're only four verses in. Think about this. Waiting has the potential to produce resilience, rejoicing, even rest. But that kind of begs the question, how? I mean, David's writing this. David's life is filled with ups and downs. And this, this psalm was compiled into the book that we have now during a moment of extreme uncertainty and unrest. And here's these authors singing these songs about resilience and rejoicing and rest and trusting God. And I think the clue is actually within the literature and the literary layout of Psalm 40. Um, so when, when Hebrew authors write poetry, oftentimes they'll write a chiastic structure. And so they'll put the opening line and the ending line are the same. And they kind of move towards the middle. Well, the main point of this poem isn't at the end. It's not even at the beginning. It's in the middle. So how does this psalmist have this kind of disposition? Well, look at, look at verse 7. It says, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Now, this is kind of an obscure verse because it's talking about how God doesn't delight in off sacrifices offered. And then all of a sudden, the author says, Behold, I come. You've written your law within my heart. It's a unique line for David to write. Where is he coming to, coming from? But what's interesting is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, the author of Hebrews, hundreds of years later, says, Actually, Jesus, the Messiah, is the one who fulfills these words. Jesus is the one who says, Behold, I come. I do not require sacrifices. I'm coming with the law written on my heart. And so this is what theologians call a messianic psalm. A psalm pointing towards a rescuer, which is our, our fourth and final point. Waiting has the potential to point us towards redemption, towards the Redeemer, towards the Rescuer, which is ultimately in Jesus Christ. So what's the key to waiting well? It's Jesus. That's what happens because when we put our trust in Jesus, we move our trust in earthly systems, in the economy, in relationships, in our own ability, in our own health, and we move that trust to Jesus, who says we belong to an unshakable kingdom. And, and this imagery of a shakable kingdom, Jesus actually uses in his most famous sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and he ends the Sermon on the Mount, listen to this, talking about sand. He talks about this idea of if you build your house on the sand, it won't last. So let's, let's just read that together. 
In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, again, his, his kingdom manifesto, the Sermon on the Mount, and does, the not, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now, next to me I have a sandcastle, which is kind of an ironic paradoxical image. Um, I remember being in Ireland a few years ago and looking at castles that were hundreds of years old and had not moved. And this sandcastle will be gone tomorrow. But yeah, oftentimes, I think Jesus is calling us away from this mentality of like, hey, listen, don't build your life and your hope and your trust on something that no matter how great you make it, it's not going to last. Put your trust in me. And where we see this take place is in the waiting. We have a moment, please hear me, we have a moment and an opportunity in the midst of waiting and uncertainty, not knowing the future, to evaluate our trust. Is this waiting time producing resilience in us? Is it producing rejoicing in us? Is it producing rest in us? Because those things will only happen when our hope is pointed towards the Redeemer and the Rescuer, the redemption of our soul, which is only found in Jesus Christ. So let's not focus on the temporal things of building things here, and let's realize we belong to an unshakable kingdom. If you've, if you've never placed your trust in Jesus, or maybe you have, but you have, your life and heart haven't been showing that, can I just invite you right now to do that? If you're watching this and you've never fully placed your heart and life into the hands of the God who loves you, all it looks like is you surrendering and praying and saying, God, I'm tired of building sandcastles. I want to belong to your kingdom. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And you can just go and pray that in whatever words you want and invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. And for those of you who have but need to reorient yourself around trusting in God, um, take this as an opportunity. In the waiting, beauty can come out of it. So Father, we thank you so much that you invite us to be a part of your kingdom that's unshakable. Help us in this time of waiting, which is most of our life, help us to the waiting to produce resilience and rejoicing and rest because we've placed our trust in the redeeming person of Jesus Christ. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com.